You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, the horror movie podcast for the casually obsessed. I'm Kim. I'm John. And, you know, real quick off the top of the show, uh, we want to thank you so much for your patience with our sort of unexpected hiatus recently. We're still in the process of getting things up and running, going as smoothly as they did before the break. Uh, But we wanted to come in here to give you our top 10 picks of 2021. We're maybe the last people to put this out. Hey, hey, everybody was doing it before the the year was officially over. Uh, These lists come out (laughs) earlier and earlier every year. You put your list out before you got to see a new Guillermo del Toro movie? Mistake. We say that, but we normally do it in December and we're a little late this year. But we didn't want... Uh, a new year to fly by without naming our top picks of the year because there's so much stuff that comes out that you don't always get the opportunity to see it and there's a lot of people that talk about a lot of movies and some get missed. So these are our absolute 10 favorites. Uh, We've done it a little bit different this year. Normally we reveal our picks. We each do them separately and reveal them in a countdown here live on the show. In secret from each other. Which is always really fun. But this year we decided because, you know, it's been kind of a crazy and bonkers and ass backwards year for us that uh we've kind of done a lot of our movie watching in the past couple of weeks uh we were on the road for a month we had a lot of family stuff that i had to deal with and we, it just wasn't the same this year so we built our list together it is the definitive nightmare on film street top 10 for 2021 the first time we've ever done that so this is like a set in stone john and i have signed and inked in blood that this is the the 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 and we can never debate it ever again <laughs> this, this is a, a subtle nod for me to shut the fuck up is what I'm hearing. you're lucky i gave you the number five pick <laughs> Every list is weird this year. It doesn't matter. I would love, though, if this was a new tradition where our first episode of a new year was the recap for the previous year, but I think that's probably not a good idea. Time doesn't count anymore. I don't even know what day of the week it is. We're recording. <laughs> well, it's it's Wednesday, the day before the podcast comes out, so I will have to frantically edit this as soon as we're done recording. I've even forgotten our release schedule. That's just like how out of the planet I am. Well, given the time-sensitive nature of when this has to go out, maybe we should just get started. That's sensible. All right, so <laughs> let's let's begin our countdown. A Nightmare on Film Streets. Kim and I's top ten horror, horror and horror adjacent movies <laughs> of 2021. Coming in at number ten, the sequel that no one saw coming. The sequel that made such a left turn that I really think it ruined it for us, for some people, but for us, I really appreciated it. We're talking about Don't Breathe 2. Controversial pick, John. Controversial opinion. That's, yeah, <laughs> I had to fight to get it up here, and it's in the last <laughs> spot. Remember, the guy's blind, but he's still dangerous. Let's hunt this motherfucker. It's not me you need to be scared of, little girl. The man standing next to you. I don't know who he is, but I know who he's not. I know 
I really enjoyed this movie. It's so it does something that most movies cannot do, and it makes you root for somebody who sh- you should not necessarily be rooting for. If you're unaware, Don't Breathe 2 also stars Stephen Lang as the blind man, who was the villain in the first Don't Breathe, but now he's our hero because he's rescuing a little girl and he refuses to hurt dogs. That's <laughs> That's like his big thing. The bad guys who show up in this movie are worse than him because of various reasons, but they also hurt dogs, and that's a no-no for, for Stephen Lang. I wasn't as on board with this movie as you were. I definitely felt you radiating in the theater (laughs) as we watched. (laughs) But yeah, I do love the play on bad versus worse. They also kind of played on that with the first Don't Breathe movie because the heroes in that film are breaking and entering and they're they're robbing a house. There just happens to be somebody in that house who is worse. So I love that they continued that tenfold in the sequel. I'm a very huge fan of Balls to the Wall sequels. Yeah. They, uh, they hold a little place in my heart. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a nutters movie. There's some weird stuff that you just aren't going to see anywhere. It's modern exploitation filmmaking, and more so in the last two years, I have just liked a movie that's just about a fucking thing. You know, it's not like, oh, I had a baby lamb, but really it's about human existence, and isn't that frightening? It's more like, hey, this guy's kid got kidnapped and he needs to get her back. I really have responded to movies that are just very uncomplicated in the last two (laughs) years. I wonder why. I wish there was something that I could point to to explain why I just want dumb entertainment. But that's where we are. That's where I am and that's why don't breathe too is in our number 10 spot also steven lang's just a stone cold badass steven lang's been a badass his whole fucking life man so so good coming up in number nine is last night in soho the edgar wright original i got this kind of gift i can see people places things others can't this is the closest most people ever get to their dreams Just dreams. Jack, I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? It really happened. What did you see? Do you believe in ghosts? I want to report a murder. You witnessed the murder last night, but you believe this was a vision from the past. I have to stop him. It follows a student, a fashion student who is gone to London and she falls into this dreamlike underbelly where the lines blur between what's real and what's fiction. And does she solve a murder from the past? Find out now if you watch the film. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, if this was a list of like camera work and filmmaking, it's probably number one. Oh, yeah. Watching the behind the scenes and seeing some of the behind the scenes shot from the film definitely gave me more. I definitely give the more the film more credit than the first time I watched it because a lot of the effects are in camera. Maybe all of them. A majority are in camera. It's like sweetened with special effects afterwards. Yeah, and there's one in particular, a dance sequence where um, that's all practical. The <laughs> female lead changes throughout this single dance sequence, and it's fucking fantastic when you realize that they did that in camera. So definitely a magical movie. It's an original ghost story. Yeah, it's Edgar fucking Wright. So you know that the editing is on. 
on point. And there's some really cool lighting. I love me some neon lights and uh, lots of ghoulies. I'm very pro ghoulie. Yeah. So like that's the other thing too. The horror elements of this movie are really, really, really good. Like once the dream starts to become more of a nightmare, they look so great. And just like the and ghouls, classic ghouls. Ghouls. Love them. <laughs> you gotta love a ghoul. And they, they play in so perfectly. And even just like all of the fun stuff you see in the trailer and the poster, it's not all there just as a callback to a genre that Edgar Wright is riffing on. Um, you know, it's used purposefully and it just looks fucking incredible. Yeah. The whole step of the way. Yeah, exactly. There's like a, a sequence that's in Halloween and it's the makeup effects. Are I completely so... forgot there's a Halloween dance. Yes. The makeup effects are so visually terrifying and like, it's excused away because it's Halloween, but it also looks so fucking fantastic. Yeah, it might be one of his more subtly brilliant movies. It's not as boom pow as some of his other stuff, but genuine genius filmmaking. Happy it's on the list. Coming in at number eight, we have Travis Stevens, Jacob's Wife. You know, Anne, I am surprised that you wound up marrying Jacob. Whatever happened to the adventurous Anne... new teeth coming in what and how good you're home get changed i'd like to go out 40 years i've known this woman every day the same now i don't know who i'm coming home to how much of that could i get you want the blood i feel more alive than i have in years hey mrs fetter you all right mrs fetter We had such a really interesting introduction into this film. So yes. without spoiling anything, we saw it without any spoilers. We got to see it from a film festival before the, the poster had even dropped. So mm-hmm. we had no real idea about the film other than that it starred Barbara Crampton. She was playing a preacher's wife. That's it. That and was that's it. all we knew. That was it. So and we assumed maybe a deal with the devil. Maybe some sort of supernatural something. I was expecting a lot more psychological horror, something very subtle, and that is not what Jacob's wife is, and I was very pleased. It's great. Around the time that we were both like, you know, it'd be really, it'd be real funky if they just took a left turn and threw a fucking Nosferatu-style vampire here. We got it. (laughs) Holy shit. And let's not forget that Barbara Crampton, when she, like, embraces her vampire self, just becomes an absolute badass in this movie just watching her like shop for groceries and you know drink you know the blood from a bunch of like meat cutoffs (laughs) so great could have watched that for an hour and a half oh when she rearranges the living room that's such a fun sequence yeah because she's just like spinning furniture with her hands like it's nothing uh apparently there's there's some really good behind the scenes footage of that and i would really like uh really look forward to seeing it there's a, there's a lot that's great about this movie. It's a lot of fun. But the special effects, when Barbara Crampton is just, like, tearing people's heads off their shoulders and just drinking a geyser of blood, you can't beat it. And Bonnie Aarons as our as our main villain. Who doesn't love Bonnie Aarons as a villain? <laughs> Wearing a cool hat, too. 
That's available on Shutter right now too. If you haven't checked it out, highly recommend it. You probably have. It's kind of a movie that like rippled through, you know, the horror land. Um, also has a great if you've if you've ever wanted to see Larry Fessenden's butt, this is your opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Take a gander, everybody. Oh boy. Our number seven pick, something that is also on Shutter, a Shutter exclusive, mm. is Brandon Christensen's Super Host. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? You think you come out this far to get away from all those crazy people, but then you get to this house and you realize that the host might be even crazier than those people you left behind. Well, I don't want to get in the way of your trip. Wouldn't want to get a bad review. <laughs> That is the craziest shit I've ever seen. We gotta get more of her. Okay, uh, roll camera. Hi, my name is Rebecca. This is what people want to see. And I am a super host. Complete lunatics. <laughs> this woman, Rebecca, she said that she was the host of this place. <laughs> we have one final surprise for you that I think you're going to love. If anyone's out there watching, please, please help us. Please stop! Think of all the hits you'll get. Look at her. She's harmless. I'm a super host. Oh boy. Yeah, like let's let's not beat around the bush here. This movie is on the list because it also has the best villain of the year. Yes. Fantastic. It's an Airbnb movie, but not just an Airbnb movie. It's also a YouTuber movie, so you get that fun, modern, digital life aspect. There's sort of a found footage element of it. We follow a couple who are travel bloggers who go to stay at this very nice, slightly secluded Airbnb. And surprise, surprise, the host is Nutters. Oh my god, just from the moment they get there. She's so nice, very <laughs> kind, but also a little bit batshit. Yeah, she's like a Disney character that came to life, but also has a entire cabinet of like... People <laughs> locked up in the basement. Yeah, I guess I could have just said that. That might have been easier. <laughs> yeah, no, incredible villain in this movie. And second appearance on our list from Barbara Crampton. I'm thinking about it. Oh, true. Double Barbara Crampton this year. Back to back. Also, this movie hits that sweet spot of just like 80 minutes like damn that is the right amount of time for a new horror movie yeah we watched this one with the fiend club we did a live stream of it and it was a really fun movie to watch with a bunch of people because honestly as a character movie it's a real blast to watch closing out the top half of our list coming in at number six godzilla versus kong right now godzilla's out there and he's hurting people we don't know why We need Kong. The world needs him. can't be two alpha titans. 
John had to fight for this one. I had to fight for this one too, guys. Can you believe it? In a, a year where a big monkey fought a giant lizard, Kim didn't want to put it on the list. I mean, now that you say it like that, okay, sure. Yeah. We saw this movie the drive-in like three times. I think we saw it six times. Hell yeah. It uh, it was definitely big monk summer. <laughs> <laughs> And that's primarily because we we kind of, you know, COVID times made the the loose-handed shake that we were going to go to the drive-in like every weekend. Every I think, weekend. I think we tried to go at least once a week just to get out of the house and safely. And who doesn't want to see Godzilla and versus Kong again and again and again? Yeah, it's hard to say whether this movie just happens to be the second feature on the movie we came to the drive-in to see or we just happened to see a movie we didn't care about because Godzilla vs. Kong was playing afterward. That happened a few times. Like three weekends in a row, just like, yeah, I'll watch these, these, these big boys fight after, I don't know, a <laughs> car chase. You want to see those big boys fight again? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> it's so great to watch everybody peel out. They're just like, ah, I've seen the second movie. I don't want to stick around. But that core group, that those 20 cars that stick around to watch Godzilla vs. Kong again, those are my people. <laughs> There's not enough good that I can say about this movie. Even just the opening scene. Kong waking up in his like idyllic fake paradise, scratching his butt, scratching his butt, listening to the <laughs> Hollies. Like his every time Kong showed up, it was such a chilled out vibe, and I really appreciated that because he just looks like a dude who just wants to chill. Like that's his that's his journey in the movies. Like man, I don't want to fight. I just want to swing from the trees and shit. <laughs> that's so true. Learn sign language, hang out with this girl. <laughs> I got a good thing going over here. And then this uh, this giant lizard shows up and tries to tries to tear him apart like, several times throughout the movie. Every single one of those fights, incredible. They try to make Godzilla so mean in this one, but I will- Godzilla looks mean on a good day. No, he doesn't. No, never. He's, he's just a, a scaly- He's a misunderstood toothy. boy, just because he's cold-blooded. <laughs> it's not like I was actively avoiding spoilers or anything, but I just tried to not- predict what was going to happen in this movie, what they were going to do with it, and I was pleasantly surprised every step of the way. Even the Hollow Earth stuff, which is a little silly, but... Fucking... Oh, all the plot stuff. Don't watch oh, Godzilla yeah, don't... Vers- yeah. For You're... the plot? We're not here for the plot. Never! We're here to see the big monk, big lizard fights. And they're so good! And then also team up to fight a big metal lizard. And they're so good! Oh, it's great. <laughs> every Everything about it was incredible. Yeah. I'll watch it again right now. The fight sequences are Fucking fantastic and out of this world. Congratulations to the entire digital team because they made fucking magic happen. The angles, the Tokyo yeah. fight, the water fight. There was some insane camera work happening. And it, you can't even call it camera work because it's all digital shit. Yeah. I don't know how you did it. There was how some... do you do rotoscope that kind of scenario? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, they... Uh... They found like some really cool spots to put the camera in this movie. I think there's, I think that first time, one of the first times we see Godzilla where his mouth is just snapping in the water and the camera's like right there in his teeth. I think that might be practical. I think that's like, like they made the mouth for that. But I think one of my favorite shots is definitely from inside that jet fighter where it's taken off and you can see Godzilla in the background trying to like swipe at him. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little too specific. I was like, I don't remember any of this. My Im- favorite is when the monk is on the boat and then the boat goes in the water and then back out of the water and we follow the big monk. That's a good. That's a good monk scene. That's yeah. a good shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that, that's where we're at for number six. The list so far, as we are at number ten, Don't Breathe 2, giving everybody a quick mid-game <laughs> <laughs> intermission. Yeah, let's go. Lock it analysis down. Analysis post-recap before <laughs> 10, we go. 109876. <laughs>
Coming in at number 10, Don't Breathe 2. At number 9, Last Night in Soho. Number 8 is Jacob's Wife. Superhost at number 7. And of course, Godzilla vs. Kong at number 6. So Kim, bring us in to the top 5. What do you got? Number 5 is our most artsy cinema-y. You gotta have one. <laughs> I don't have any other descriptors because it's it's just a really weird uh, batshit movie that a lot of traditional film goers got really on board with. And when we finally saw it, I was like, Y'all, this is a little fucked up. This is actually not that bad. Uh, Number five is Titan. Yeah, this is definitely the art crowds don't breathe too. (laughs) It is... I have a hard time saying that it's horror, but it definitely is. It's a body horror movie, sort of. Totally. It's a journey. It's got an art film pace, but it's it's totally dealing with some horror-y stuff. Our main character is a serial killer. Definitely a serial killer. Who has sex with a car. And she's cool. (laughs) (laughs) She's very cool. Really cool. Also, probably the best long take of the year. Yes, there is a really great sequence in the intro with a fucking killer song that I have been listening nonstop to all year long. It's a jam. (laughs) It's such a jam. Doing it to death by the kills, guys. You gotta look it up. But yeah, it weaves us through a a car show where these girls are dancing. Our lead character is a dancer, performer at the show, and that's kind of where we we follow things. Um, If if this is one you haven't necessarily heard of, or you've just sort of heard whispered on the breeze, it's uh, a girl gets into a car accident when she's very young, this is in the opening of the movie, and then she just develops a very close relationship with vehicles. that is in not... the way that David Cronenberg would love. Oh, totally, yeah. So, yeah, she's also a bit of a serial killer. She's murdering How people around the a... silly. She's just a smidge. She's just, just a pinch of serial well, killer. Because I think it's a metaphor. But, <laughs> man, this movie really takes some turns. Like, how it's much... hard to describe it. Yeah. She goes on the run because she murders people. And But it's like, that's <laughs> not the movie either. Like, that's not really the whole movie at all. But in the, in the second half, a new character gets introduced that sort of like changes what the movie's about and changes the focus of the movie. And um, that that second half of the movie is great. And it's kind of where it becomes more of a drama. Yes, because it gets very emotionally complicated. Yeah, but goddamn, incredible performances in this movie. Great storytelling, and it looks amazing. Each and every character is complicated in their own way. Yes. And there's so much story to each of them that you could, at the second half of the film, you could pick any one of the characters to be your personal lead Mm -hmm. and follow that journey. Which is really great storytelling. Yeah, I would actually like to talk. Man, I, we, we should do this on the podcast at some point in the future. It'd be With another David Cronenberg film? Is I that mean, yeah, you want to you watch Crash? Yeah, uh, I'll do it. Let's do it. Uh, All right, done. Next week, coming up, Titanic Crash. I want to watch Dead Ringers. Yeah, we could do that. I mean, honestly, any David Cronenberg movie would, would probably with go fine Jeremy's Iron. Or Raw. We could do it with her previous film. Oh, true. Yeah, that might work. But uh, just just because I do want to talk in depth about the movie without giving anything away, and if it's not a movie you've seen yet, I don't want to spoil anything, but if you're looking for something strange and artistic and some, a movie you really can't predict, uh, yeah, definitely check out Titan. Which brings us to our number four spot. We're getting in the thick of it. We are getting into the, like... Ooh, the fisticuffs movie. Well, that's that's always the good thing about the top five. So, like most of, most of the time, your top fives could be your number one. 
I personally think there's there's plenty of movies on this list that I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's in the top three. Godzilla vs. Kong deserves to be way up there. But that's fine. You know, collectively, Nightmare on Film Street <laughs> believes that it's a number six. It's okay. And coming in at number four. Oh boy, you want you want a you want a good cry? Did you just watch Pig? Are you ready for another round of tears? You got to check out Riders of Justice. Another ambiguously not really horror film, no. but definitely a genre film. And Mads Mikkelsen, y'all fuck with Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. I know it. <laughs> yeah, you want to see Hannibal have a heart? Like, come on, veteran comes back from that the should war. be the tagline in the movie. <laughs> Hannibal with a heart. It's it's also very funny is the other thing. Like it's maybe more of a comedy than anything else, but it's a very dark comedy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mads Mickelson, veteran, gets called home from the war early because his wife dies in a terrorist attack. Uh, and he's left to pick up the pieces of his family, care for his daughter, and avenge his wife's death. That's pretty much the movie right there. Exactly. So another guy who was on the train that his wife was on that died starts to believe that maybe it was a speci- specific attack. And they're, they team up to try to find out who the killer was and, you know, kill him back. Yeah. All the while, Mads Mikkelsen, who's cold as ice because he's a war veteran, obviously, is trying to deal with being a single father. Meanwhile, he's like secretly trying to kill somebody. Well, and also <laughs> train like a ragtag band of behavioral economic misfits who <laughs> are very neurotic and just like have a lot going on with themselves, too. Uh, it's a hoot. Yeah, and- like three non-evil Steve Jobses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, oh, man, that's the other thing, too. Like, this movie, uh, you know, talking about Titan and, like, the character work, this movie is amazing. Every single one of these characters is, like, so well thought out. They are absolutely real people. And they, they all have, like, we, we learn about what makes every single one of them tick, for good or bad. And uh, I'd say there's definitely a tear-jerky moment for almost every single person in this movie. Yeah, and it also has a Christmas scene, so therefore it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, Christmas movie. Boom. <laughs> done. On the list. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, Tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Our number three pick clinched the list because it just got released. That is Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. Step right up and behold one of the unexplained mysteries of the universe. Is he man or beast? You're in luck because tonight... You will see him feed. (laughs) Come on in and find out. Nightmare Alley. Is he man or beast? Rated R. Only in theaters December 17th. 
you think you got some recency bias on this? You think you just saw it recently and uh See, you know, no it's it's complicated because my experience with Guillermo del Toro is I like every movie initially upon seeing it generally, but it's the second and the third watch that always pushes it over the edge. And mm-hmm. Nightmare Alley, we literally just saw it and I enjoyed it. It's visually fucking stunning. Oh my god, yeah. Um like 1930s, 40s carnival. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> every good every good actor in Hollywood's in it. Like Yeah. And then also Bradley Cooper, he's also there. <laughs> Uh, you know, Academy Award nominated, I think, winner? Uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, he's there. Academy Award-ish Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah, but like every character actor, every minor role, you'll recognize these people from other Guillermo del Toro all movies. Of the, all of the Guillermo del favorites. Oh, yeah, all the main hitters, right? They're all back. He got the band back together again. Basically Ron Perlman. We're talking about Ron Perlman. We're talking about Ron Perlman. <laughs> We're talking about that guy who was one of the lead scientists in The Shape of Water. <laughs> I should know his name. He's a Canadian actor. He's a great guy. He was on the Stargate television show. I am talking about a whole bunch of other people I don't remember, including Willem Dafoe, who's great. You want to see Clifton Collins Jr. play a guitar in this movie? Go see it. But yeah, the film is a visual fucking feast. It's got some ghosties. It's got some mystery. And it's got a whole bunch of freak show stuff. And if you love horror, you love freak shows. This one is a bit of a controversial pick, I think, because I don't know what the reception has been on it because we've been a little bit out of the loop. We kind of just stumbled into the theater and stumbled out of it. Yeah, we weren't going to not see it. Uh, you know what? I I also don't necessarily know what it's like. Let's take a quick gander. All everybody was talking about was how, like, it didn't do great at the box office, but as far as I'm concerned, like, we're in a weird second, third, fifth, sixteenth wave of new COVID, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I mean, our theaters just shut down again, so... Box office? What is that? Box office results, not anything you can actually tally up right now, and we probably won't go back to them for a little while. I mean, there's plenty of movies that did not do very well at the box office that everybody saw, so we we gotta get a better way of grading how well a movie performs right now. It's all a it's all a gray area for the next little while, but I mean, in terms of Nightmare Alley, it's got a seven point four out of ten on IMDb. Oh, that's good. Eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes and sixty eight percent on Metacritic. Oh, good. Yeah. And everything is being eclipsed by the three Spider Man's high fiving right now. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spider Man's really Spider Man's really winning the day. Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> they should have just called it Spider Man. Actually, would have been Spider a good man, idea. Spider Man, Spider Man, we brought Tobey Maguire back, Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> the The other thing about Nightmare Alley is that uh, it's. I think it's really gonna do. I think you already said this. It's It's really gonna do well on a rewatch because there's just so much going on in it. We spent most of the day afterward just dissecting it. Yeah, like this is what the head in the jar means. Yeah, and we're like, this is what this is, <laughs> and it's just like there's a lot of visual poetry that's like calling back to specific scenes and like, uh, you know, and t- <laughs> this actually goes against me talking about how I like a movie that's just about the fucking thing. Uh, but it's it's a very subtly complicated movie. Like I think it's like it goes over your head as to how complicated it is because it wasn't until we got out of the theater that I was like, oh shit. There's definitely connections between these characters and these themes and this and that. And I'm being vague because I don't want to necessarily give anything away. Uh, But I am really looking forward to seeing that one again. And I'm happy that it finally has the, you know, dark ending 
that it's supposed to have, or at the very least it doesn't have the happy ending that the original has because of the Hayes Code. We haven't seen the original yet. Yes, and that's something that we are going to do. We have it PVR'd right now. Yeah. It's going to be on TCM soon. Yes, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I think they're playing it twice this month, so if you want to see the original Nightmare Alley, that's your opportunity. But, you know, keep in mind that it's going to have like a, oh, and then everyone was happy again, because that's just what Hollywood had to do for a specific period. But this movie is a lot darker than I expected. And there's that thing that's so great in, in movies like this, where the second half just takes a hard turn, and you're in a different movie now. Absolutely. There's, there is 100% a moment in this movie where you're going to say, oh, I think that's the ending. I think I think they just told me what the ending's going to be. But... You know, come one hour into this movie, you hit the midway point, and you are like off book. You don't know what's going to happen next because like the the bottom kind of fell out a bit, and the rules have changed, and we are no longer in the same world that we had been building for the last bit. Yes, and you're so far away from the ending you thought, you don't know how you're going to get back there because you know it's got to get back there. Yeah, and also, I mean, this this is true about any Guillermo del Toro movie, I think. Uh, when violence comes, it's fucking violent. <laughs> yeah, he is not afraid to make some gooey faces. And, yeah. you know, props to him for that. Yeah, you remember that guy who got his like face caved in with a bottle in Pan's Labyrinth? Get ready for Nightmare Alley. It's got, <laughs> it's got, some, it's got some gnarly injuries that look way too real. Which brings us to our number two spot. I think there are two movies that we haven't talked about that people are probably already oh, yeah. way ahead of us so which one's gonna come first guys? any anybody that follows us on social media or has you know <laughs> seen any of our tweets in the past year total year yeah these movies are not gonna come as any surprise it was hard it was hard we did we did fight about which one deserved <laughs> to be number two and which one deserved to be number one uh, they're both tied in my eyes we but could do that number two spot we blank we tied already signed for it number in one <laughs> Coming in. <laughs> we signed it in blood. Number two. We got blood. Steven Kostansky's PG Psycho Gore Man. Many moons ago, a nameless evil was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach. Hurry up. If he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. Is that fear I smell? Your planet will be torn to pieces, and I will Mimi, treat your fuck. screams as I rip. Is this yours? Oh. Uh, oh my god. The gem of Paraxidike. Whoever wields it is able to command me. Go over there. Uh, and wait for us to come back in the morning. You will suffer an eternity for this. Bye! Mom, Dad, I want you to meet Psycho Gorman. Or PG for short. I will bathe in your blood. Don't worry. Be worried. Slow down! He's gonna kill everybody. Not unless I tell him to. What did you three maniacs get up to? Um, this is getting a little weird. This sick game must come to an end. She will enslave the galaxy into endless servitude. Kill him! The ultimate evil has awoken. There's a new god in town, and his name? Psycho Gorman. It was nice meeting you. It would be nicer if you were dead. 
Bye. This fucking movie. I can't believe it came out this year. It was supposed to come out in 2020, and people were were talking about it, people that had, you know, seen it uh, before the release. But yeah, it didn't officially come out until 2021, early 2021, and I already knew this was going to be... Like, any any other movie that comes out this year is going to have to fight this movie for top spot. <laughs> like, I, I, st- I started my best of 2020 list the day I saw this movie. I totally agree. I was like, wow, we've already got it. <laughs> yeah, this is in the bank, guys. And I've already got my hunky boy. <laughs> <laughs> you already know, too, just how fucking watchable this movie is. It, obviously, we've only had it a year. I think we've seen it like eight times. A lot, yeah. A lot of times. A lot, a lot. <laughs> you know, we've watched it on Shudder. We've watched it on Blu-ray. We, we've watched it in every possible medium that we can. I have two, three Psycho Goreman t-shirts? <laughs> we've driven past some of the filming locations. <laughs> well, that was not on purpose, but... <laughs> Yeah, we're just we're just always in the city where they made this movie. But yeah, what what a what an incredible piece of indie filmmaking. It is unique. It's its own thing. It's unlike anything else, despite the fact that, you know, you might you may describe it as like a super gory uh, Power Rangers movie. Yeah, YTV nostalgia. Like, oh, love it. Yeah, YTV is like Nickelodeon in Canada uh, for anybody listening to this outside. Yeah, of- Psycho Gorman is like Canadian gem. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's probably no surprise given that Stephen Kostansky is a Canadian filmmaker, so it's it's really interesting to see our childhood just covered in blood. If you haven't heard of it, it's about a brother and sister that find a gem uh, in their backyard while digging a hole, as kids do, <laughs> and the gem allows them to control a sort of horrific Superman-type creature that has the ability to just destroy mankind with his bare hands, with his mind. And uh, and in all of that power is in the hands of a snotty little seven year old girl. <laughs> I mean, there's also some like intergalactic. Oh yeah, like a bunch of people stuff. come to try to stop them, and you know, violence ensues. Yeah, genuinely one of the funniest movies of the year, and again, some of the absolute best practical effects. Oh, the creature design is so yeah. fantastic that everything is like action figure ready. And Stephen Kostansky, uh, you probably know from the Leprechaun uh, reboot that they put out a few years ago. He's one of the directors of The Void. He's got he's really established himself as somebody who works with practical effects and works with them really well. And that's actually what his main job is. Like when he's not directing, that's he makes he's a he's a special effects guy, and he did a lot of the practical effects in this movie himself, which I'm sure was exhausting. Um, but it was all in service of making genuinely. One of the best movies of the year. One of my fa- absolute favorite creature designs is like so simple, but one of the friends gets turned into like a gooey brain boy. Yes. <laughs> and it's so good. Yeah. if uh, it, It's very rare to see a movie for the first time and go, oh, this is one of my new favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Not just of the year. Like this is, I could get a tattoo of this movie right now and never regret it. <laughs> so that's number two, PG Psycho Gorman. All right, Kim, you want to bring this home? Our number one pick, Nightmare on Film Street's top film for 2021. Surprise, surprise, it is James Wan's Malignant. I'm having visions.
of Dr. Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders as they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. Someone from my past. Happy birthday. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Imaginary friend? Imaginary friend? He's the devil. He's getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. for dramatic effect yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh this is a balls to the wall film that is nothing like what you're expecting it serves up so many i i want to say like switcheroos (laughs) but is that just because we've been talking about psycho gorman it really subverts expectations both with what it is but also with how it delivers it the film holds its cards close to its chest and it plays with what you expect a James Wan film to be. Exactly. It you you go into it you're seeing like that gothic wood all wooden, you know, paneled house and the the haunting aspect. Dude's you, got a type. <laughs> you think it's going to be the conjuring and then it goes and it just gets fucking crazy and for it to come so far into his career when he's making multi-million dollar superhero movies, he goes back and he just makes this crazy bonkers 80s inspired horror film it just shows you how much of a horror fan that james wan is in his soul like yeah malignant is a movie that would not otherwise be made right now it is solely i think because james wan has some kind of sway in in the in the horror world and also that he's got some some money and some backing that he can be like you know what i'm gonna make this fucking ass backwards movie that is gonna turn out to be a serious action menage a what at the end <laughs> menage a what i like that a lot i mean yeah he's got some pull now and i love that he constantly ping-pongs between making like a big splashy action movie and then like a maybe big splashy horror movie uh and you know he's he's obviously doing a hell of a lot in terms of producing but you're so right about this coming at a specific point in his career. It's like a Alfred Hitchcock. Because even that feels like a diversion. Yes. Like that feels like it also made Malignant a bigger surprise because 
he couldn't make a movie like this. You can't make a movie like this. Yeah, with a big studio too. Like, no, this movie couldn't be made. You can't open wide with this. It's like their <laughs> monocles fell out and they said, he wants to what? <laughs> At our studio? No, never. And, uh, and you know, like, it's, I have a hard time trying to say this a fourth way, like, that we've already said. Like, it's, it's so genius of him to make a movie knowing what you expect from a James Wan movie. Like, it's the first time he's had to make a movie that sort of addresses who he is as a filmmaker. Because, let's, let's be real, two years ago, however long ago, J- new James Wan movie, in development. Oh, a new James Wan movie, it's called Malignant. Everybody immediately started to put the James Wan template in their head and ask them, you know, asking themselves, like, what pieces is he going to change to make what, you know, a movie that, you know, we all have come to expect. Like, there's a James, there's a specific type of horror movie that you expect when you hear James Wan. Yeah, and I think there also needs to be, and this is something that I didn't see with a lot of the negative reviews of this film because it's definitely very polarizing. Oh and, yeah, and 100%. I can totally understand that. Like, either you like it or you don't. Mm-hmm. But there, there needs to be more credit just to how fun this movie is. Absolutely, and how. It's not afraid to be silly because I think that's something that's kind of gotten lost in modern horror and that makes this a very uh, refreshing movie. It's something that we haven't had in a long time in that it's just unapologetically silly and scary at the same time, which is like a really fine line to play with. There are some moments that are so just unexplicably hilarious, but they're played seriously. And that's something that is so nostalgic as a horror fan that you have to have, you kind of have to have that level of like, huh, the 80s, but it's modern. So there, yeah. it's it's super fun. Well, for what it does in the end of the movie, which I'm not going to spoil if you have not seen it, but like it has such a surprising big pow ending that you really need to lay a groundwork of oddballness. It's a fucking magic trick in the sense that like everything that you might roll your eyes at in the first 20 or 30 minutes. Some music cues. There's some fun angles. Yeah, just like character reactions and stuff. There's some really precarious parking. <laughs> <laughs> that is all there for you to not not necessarily roll your eyes at, but it's... You're being led it's priming into a, you. Yeah, you're being led into an unbelievable world because yes. the, the second half of the movie is fantastic. It's yeah, fantastical, man. it's unbelievable, and you need to get they need to get you there, but they need to do it subtly so it doesn't, you know, pull the tablecloth out of the table. It's yep. just rearranging some things. Man, it's such a genius movie, and I know for a fact we're going to get three or four more James Wan films deep 5 years from now. We'll have a little bit more of a bird's eye view of his career, his filmography his oeuvre (laughs) and people will really go wow he actually did something genius here with malignant i think like once we get a little space from it i think anybody who was upset about it or like didn't lock in with it might at the very least appreciate it for its artistry um sounds weird to say because it's also just a dope horror movie and like psycho gorman so rewatchable the number of times i've watched this with people for the first time I think we've done it at least six times. It's such a fun movie to show to people who aren't necessarily horror fans because it's a little bit safe in that way because it's silly. It's it's just so much fun. Yeah, absolutely the best movie-going experience of the year. Oh, the gasps and stuff in the yeah, theater. Just, just so much fun. Even, like, especially if you're ahead of it and you've seen it before and you get to just hear people in the theater going like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like people just whispering to the person beside them like, I don't know what's happening. Did you see that? <laughs> Is everyone in this prison wearing a wig? 
There is there is a great prison sequence. At, uh, every single one of these characters looks like they were taken from a they 1970s. They came out of their own movie. Yeah, like some Roger Corman movies, man. It's it's wild. But yeah, uh, you know, best movie going experience of the year, favorite movie of the year, some of my favorite performances of the year. It's just like it tops every list that we could potentially put together for 2021. I think it's a perfect movie to sum up the year. And I'm very, very happy that it is at our number one spot. John, do you want to do that like roundup again? Sure. So here's here is the full list, the top 10 horror movies of 2021, according to Nightmare on Film Street. Coming in at number 10, we have Don't Breathe 2. At number 9, Last Night in Soho. Number 8 is Jacob's Wife. Number 7 is Superhost. Godzilla vs. Kong coming in at number 6. At number 5, we have Titan. Number 4, Riders of Justice. Number 3, the new Guillermo del Toro joint, Nightmare Alley. Number 2 is Psycho Goreman. PG Psycho Goreman. PG Psycho Goreman. And number 1, of course... James Wan's Malignant. It's a good list. It's a real good list. <laughs> that was a good list we did. Yeah. Yeah. Good for us. <laughs> we're watching some of these movies. Before we go, though, we're going to do a quick little roundup of honorable mentions. Movies that didn't make the top ten because we had uh, had we actually already talked about them in last year's roundup. These are some festival movies that we tried to put on your radar for 2021 that that did actually come out this year that we were huge fans of. That, you know, in some regard, also belong on the top ten. We just didn't want to double double dip with didn't them. Didn't want to double dip. Uh, you know, first off, right off the bat, big shout out to Fried Berry. Uh, that's on Shutter right now. It's a South African gonzo comedy that's really hard to explain, but it's essentially like an A heroin addict gets possessed by an alien and goes on a weird wild ride in Cape Town, South Africa. You got to check it out. Check it's- it out at 2 a.m. Yes, that 3 is... 3 a.m., 4 a.m. That's a 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. movie for <laughs> sure. Another one we talked about a bunch, also on Shudder, Slacks, the Evil Pants movie. It's uh, revenge in, in the fast fashion world. Um, if you've ever worked retail, you are going to feel this horror movie in your bones. It's a big release for this fashion company. They have a brand new style of jeans, but those jeans are sentient and they are murdering sales associates. Man, what a fun movie. Just an absolute blast. Also, the puppeteering on the pants is fantastic. Oh, yeah. If, if anything, you got to watch it for the, the credit sequence where you get to see them actually puppeting the pants uh, during some specific scenes where the pants dance. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a riot. Sater is another one that I want to give a quick shout out to. Super creepy, eerie, like the best A24 movie that A24 did not make. It's written, directed, and everything else by Jordan Graham. He literally did everything on the movie but act in every single one of the roles. A painstaking, uh, painstaking effort, if anything, but it's it's easily one of the most eerie movies uh, that's come out this year. Super quiet and chill, so like, don't expect Malignant if you're going to go see it. This is definitely more of a, a quiet seep into your bones kind of horror movie and uh, another one that i think would pair great with it the vigil which is about a person who's been asked to watch over a body for a night a dead body uh, in a house that may or may not be haunted kim was a big fan of this one when we saw it at tiff yeah it's super creepy there we've seen it a few times and there's still scenes that i have to close my eyes through um, because I'm a big wuss. <laughs> we told the director that, and he was very happy to hear it. <laughs> what what director would not like to hear that, right? That's what we've learned. They love hearing that. <laughs> like, your movie's so scary, I didn't watch it. <laughs> like, woo! <laughs> the next one on our honorable mentions list is Climate of the Hunter. It's a 
Yeah, how do you describe this one, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if, if people in the know, all you got to hear is it's a Mickey Reese movie. Uh, but what that really means is that it's a movie made by a person who is such a unique, singular filmmaker that you just can't predict it. You do not know where it's going to go. And it seems weird to say, like, it's unlike anything else you're going to see. Because it's like, it's like people think of Eraserhead when you say things like that or, or Videodrome. But it's just very, very strange and very, very funny. And uh, is just an odd little movie about a vampire who goes to some dinner parties. <laughs> yeah, lots of dinner sequences and almost like uh, Wes Anderson-y. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of. And, uh, you know, two more. One real quick one, The Undertaker's Home, which I think was released in North America as The Funeral Home. It's a foreign film that has, like, a really devastating ending for how scary of a movie it is. Oh, yeah. I think it was my biggest cry of the year. Yeah, it was a lot. Like, I had to recover from this movie. Like Pig and like Riders of Justice, both two devastating fucking films. And Pig is also on the list, uh, (laughs) I I would say, for honorable mentions. Again, not a horror movie whatsoever. But, you know, I'm I'm sure that if there was a new John Wick movie, it might wind up on the top ten. So I see no reason not to include the the John Wick of Portland, Oregon, and uh, and talk about Nicolas Cage and Pig for a little bit. Because it's really something. And... I think, I think sadness is also an element of horror. Sadness is a yeah. kind of fear. Yeah. <laughs> On a, I actually have been thinking about Pig a lot, and it's maybe one of the more genuine depictions of grief and what grief looks like long term. Uh, and just be ready for that if you're going to watch it. It's re- it's a real sad one. But it's also just, you know, Nicolas Cage being a being a mountain hermit who's <laughs> like, yeah, this is all going to be underwater one day. Mount Hood's a volcano. We're all going to die. Like a real doomsday prepper guy who just wants to hang out in the woods with his pig. Yo, we're getting the dog o'clock, John. Yeah, so unfortunately, <laughs> we're going to have to go. I don't know if you guys can hear the dog howling in the bedroom right now. We've locked up. <laughs> She's like, it's done, guys. You did the list. Yeah, just you're on the honorable mentions. Just fucking say goodbye and happy new year. <laughs> So thank you all so much for your patience once again uh, in the in the this brief hiatus that we've had here. We're hoping to get back up and running as soon as possible. But, you know, we didn't want to go too long without letting you know our favorite movies of 2021. So please reach out to us on social media. Hit us up on Twitter at NOFS Podcast. Uh, let us know what your favorite movies of 2021 were. Of course, there's that conversation is always happening in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord. Hop on there, chat with your fellow fiends, and recommend some fucking movies. Yeah, and we are slowly ramping up again with the Fiend Club events. Uh, we do We like to have watch parties and game nights and stuff every month and we're gonna start that stuff back up again because honestly it is the highlight of my evenings uh so that is at nofspodcast.com slash fiend club if you'd like to join us it's a couple bucks a month and uh, you get access to all that fun stuff yeah i'm also going to be recording a quick little bonus episode highlighting our festival picks of 2021 if you want a heads up on all the cool horror movies to keep an eye out for in 2022, this is definitely going to be for you. There were some really crazy movies on the film festival circuit in 2021, so I'm excited to see those movies come out and to see everybody's reaction to them. And I'm excited to just spend some time talking with you guys about it. So again, nofspodcast.com slash fiendcub to join us for all that. Until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay, Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time.
Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.